Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, Kevin. Thanks, Barker. buddy. You too. Mom, you're watching at home. Happy Thanksgiving, Hi, Mom. Yeah. So, Kevin, did the uh, Toronto Blue Jays choke <laughs> on Saturday? I, I, how did I know you were going to ask that? Oh, come on. How did I know, lead, how did I know when I was in my car and I was driving here with no traffic? An 8-1 lead? No traffic. An 8-1 lead at home. a wonderful day when there's home. no traffic. An 8-1 lead Absolute, at home. Absolutely not. Oh, well, they didn't. Okay, what happened then? Uh, some guys came in and didn't have their best stuff. And when so the moment was too stuff, big for them? No. Okay. I see what you're trying to do there, but I, I, this is just me. I, I would think if, you know, I didn't understand the moves. It, I, that's not a move that I would have made of taking Gosman out with 95 pitches with, what, two outs and – and a couple of runners on with a guy that just hit a double off the right center field wall. I don't care. He's hitting two and some change. Wouldn't bother me any to have that split. Just throw that split three times. You're winning eight to two. You hand the ball to Garcia. You give him a full inning. Or Anthony Bass. You could bring Anthony Bass in in the seventh inning instead of the eighth inning. And then you bring Garcia in the eighth inning. And you have Jordan Romano with a giant lead in the ninth inning. And then you come back the next day, everything's roses. So, I'm assuming that if you're John, you're probably thinking, you know, I, and I wonder too how much the khakis had to do with that. Oh, that, come on, that, we that cannot. Would, that's a blame. little bit Listen. of the, That's a little uh, bit of the. Well, it would make you wonder the Gosman thing. It would make you wonder. I mean, it's a collection of a bunch of things. You know, 95 pitches. You face a guy that'd be what the fourth time. Yeah, I mean, you, you uh, it I makes think, you wonder. Yeah, no. Well, you asked me if they choked or they the moment was too big, I'm and not, I said absolutely not. I don't I don't believe that. They're, you don't believe the moment was yeah, too I big. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think it's you don't believe that. The, sometimes it don't come off the fingers the right way. I mean, I mean the the uh, the uh, who was on who am I thinking of? Tim Mesa. Tim Mesa. That that was a, that was a decent pitch. It was just ninety one instead of ninety four. Is that too? Is that? Then he came up. Yeah, because the next decent location. Well, let me ask you this: Tim Mesa throws that pitch. Next inning, he comes out and he's throwing three miles an hour, two and a half miles an hour harder. So, was he not ready? Was a moment too big? Bases loaded, spikes the first pitch. I mean, he did throw in that. He did throw in that inning some pitches that were ninety three. I just think that one pitch was ninety one, and it was a little down in the way. It was a decent location. Spikes the first pitch, Kevin. I mean. Dude wasn't ready. It, for me, gets he back. He was not it, ready. It for me, gets back to if the Kevin Gosman thing, you have a little longer leash. You let your best figure out to be your best. Get that big out. It's eight to two instead of eight to five. You know, the he, game turns out a little different. Here's the thing, and uh, we're, we've we're, we've opened the phone lines of four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety five ninety five ninety is a text line. Yeah, you know this name and location, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jays 10-9 losers to the Seattle Mariners on uh, Saturday. A meltdown of historic proportions. And you can't put it any other way. Tied for the third, or it's only the third time a team's blown an 8-1, a seven-run lead, I should say, in a postseason game. Think about that. Think about all the stuff that has to happen for that to happen. Mariners did that on the road, too. Mariners did, Mariners did it on the road. And the Mariners did it on the road with their lights-out reliever coming in to work for a second consecutive day and throwing what, one fastball and a whole crap ton full of sliders. Well, that, listen, there dudes, was a, dudes are hitting 120 off the slide. Yeah, I, I know. But I, there, I, there was a lot There was a lot going. Look, the, the, all the things 
you thought might screw the Blue Jays in the playoffs ended up screwing the Blue Jays. For the longest time this year, we talked about this bullpen. You know, and the numbers, guys, the title, look at the, Jay, the Jays bullpen. The numbers were good for a while there. It doesn't matter that didn't anybody that could throw 100. I mean, it, all these guys spinning stuff. The Jays bullpen, bullpen was at one point one of the best bullpens in baseball. That's what the numbers suggested. And I kind of bought into it, even though my brain is saying, can't they find somebody who can throw hard other than Jordan Romano? Um, that ended up hurting them. Those of us who wondered, all right, Tim Mesa, Anthony Bass, like, do you have absolute trust in them in the in the postseason? Oh, it seemed like they did. They went to them. And then something you talked about very early, the lack of balance in the lineup. And people responded. Kevin Barker saying, all right, Barker, you want a left-handed hitter. Who would you take out of the lineup? You can't take Teoscar out of the lineup. You can't take Gurriel out of the lineup. Where's that left-handed hitter going to play? But at the end of the day, the lack of balance ended up coming back, ended up coming back and and hurting them. That, this is pretty easy. For a team that is so good offensively or should be so good offensively, it's remarkable how many times this year they were unbelievably easy to pitch to. Yeah, I don't think that's what that, – that didn't happen in game two. I mean, they, they scored – nine runs it was eight to two it was eight to one it was they stopped eight, eight to five I, I understand they had late, no answer late in the game well a lot of people don't against that bullpen let, let, let's be honest like what would it have helped if you'd have had some quality left-handed guys who could work some count work counts is take the close one get yours foul it off with two strikes be tougher to pitch to make a pitcher go to the other side of the plate with some other kind of pitch yeah it would have been a lot better that's perfect scenario for the blue jays just for me, it's when your best guys, you needed to be your best guys, was they not your best guys, and it cost you a game, a series. And, you know, the the question is, how do you come back from this? How, how do they, you know, just refine who they are as a team? You so, Do you sort of know what they are now? I, I think the refining, look, here, here's what I don't want to hear. And, we'll again, we'll open the phone lines. And the answer is very simple. What? Look. There's a couple of questions here. One, should the manager be back? We think that the manager's already been told he's coming back. Absolutely. And I I think he should be coming back, too. Uh, Up until the the game where the Gosman thing, and then after that, you could sort of, up until that point, he'd been almost great. Up until that. anyway. After the Gosman thing, he didn't make a decision that worked out. I'm saying up until the Gosman thing, he'd been almost perfect. Right. For me, anyway. But, again, I'm, I'm not saying I don't think he should come back. But I want to hear what the callers want to say. 416 870 star 590 Again, 590 is a text line. Who do you bring back? Who do you let go? Somebody's going to say fire Ross Atkins. That's not happening. Ross Atkins is speaking to the media on Tuesday, and unless he announces his own firing, Ross Atkins isn't going to be fired. He's here for a few more years. So, I mean, if you really want to say that, go ahead. It's wasted air. Ain't happening. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> nah. Well, they won... One more game than they they won, won last one more year. game and they got into the they playoffs. Were told to do that. So, but hey, you also heard after the game that this was a learning experience for the Blue Jays. I'm calling BS on that. This is not a learning experience for anybody. I have no anybody. idea what that means. What I don't either. Blowing don't don't say know, there's air in the tire or there's pressure in tire. Don't blowing, say that. Blowing an eight run I don't lead. Know what that means? Yeah, there's no. The only learning experience here is you probably don't want to trust Tim Mays and Anthony Bass in the playoffs. Your talent is not as good as the other teams. Is yeah. that what you learned? That's what we learned. It's so 
This isn't going to make Bo a better player. Trust me. It's not going to motivate Vladdy anymore. Trust me. That's not going to happen. Last year, when, you know, I'm tired of seeing pictures of Vladdy looking forlornly out in the field. Last year, it was him sitting in the dugout as the Boston Red Sox ended up clinching. This year, how many times did we see Vladdy staring out in the... I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. Don't try to spin the narrative that this is going to bring, this is going to motivate the Jays to get better, that it's a learning experience. It's not a learning experience. The only thing they learned from this is they couldn't make an 8-1 lead hold up at home with the bullpen they have. That's the only thing they learned from it. Bo's not going to be a better defensive player as a result of this. Maybe Vladdy, I don't think this game will have anything to do with it, but maybe at some point somebody will tap Vladdy in the shoulder and say, dude, start, you know, Start lifting balls. Oh, he's trying. Stop trying. Start doing. You're not 20 years old anymore. I mean, he did have and that's what I'm 32. That's pretty good. Didn't do anything in the postseason. That's what I'm saying. Got a couple of hits. That's what I'm saying about this team. The learning experience is just, it's learning experiences. You know, it used to be, it was, it was a great line to drop on sports writers when you couldn't explain what the hell happened. And again, it's a learning experience. It's, it's, this is not a learning experience for anybody. Let's be clear. And, and, I will say this. I really do think that a loss like that makes you, you need to look at the guts of your team here. But yeah, the young core. The, I'm, t- I'm tired of hearing about the young core. The Leafs have a young core. They stink in the playoffs. I don't, I don't want to hear about a young core anymore. They're not a young core. They've got a bunch of guys with three years experience. The Atlanta Braves have a young core. They're win- I don't want to hear anymore about this team's young core. Forget it. That's over. That is absolutely over. This is a team that was supposed to advance in the postseason. They ain't learning anything getting their ass handed to them on, the home, on their home field, blowing an 8-1 lead. That's not a learning experience. you got to take a look at the core of this team, and you got to have a serious freaking conversation. And you got to ask yourself, all of these guys, the sunflower throwing guys and all that in the dugout, and I'm not getting in the home run jacket. You, hopefully you all saw what the Mariners were doing and they hit home runs with that stupid bomb disposal helmet or whatever it was. It looked like an old World War I helmet or something like that. That's not what so, so don't be bringing on the dumbass, uh, you know, talking about the home run jacket or anything like that. But you do need to take a look at the core of your team. And are they maybe? I don't, may, I don't understand. Maybe, what the, what's wrong with the core? The core, the core I, had nothing to do with losing these games. I, the, the core. What, 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 what did the core have to do with it? The, the, it's the it's the it's the the but, when you're handing the ball to people or yeah, adding Kevin, to the core. You're pretending. Well, I mean, what's wrong you're with the pretending, core? You're pretending it. Who is the core anyway? Well, Name let me core. finish. It should be Vladdy, Bo, Teoscar, Lourdes. I think Kirk has been part of the core. Is, is Teoscar the core? He's part of it. And he's certainly. I mean, I would, I would, well, Kevin. I would have thrown Kevin Biggio, not anymore, no, but Kevin. Danny Jansen could throw him in there. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez. Bobuchet, Vladimir Guerrero. Teoscar Hernandez is as much a part of the core. He's been here as long I, as I any guess, of them. I guess there's so much. My point talk is about him leaving. My point is, my point is, you've got to getting rid of Teoscar may not just be enough. You've got to look at the guys that are going to bring you something in return. Teoscar's got another year left in free agency. You're not getting an impact left-handed hitter for him unless you package him with, with somebody. Yeah. But you, I don't think there's any way you can bring Guriel, who, you know, had a good year at decent, one point. Decent. decent year. Guriel, Teoscar, we, I think you know what they are right now. 
you got to move on from them. Um, you, you've really got to well think. You, you, That's well said. Yeah, you have to move on from them. Yeah, yeah. Alejandro Kirk, lovely story. Doesn't get extra base hits. I don't want him as my cleanup hitter. I don't. He does not get extra base hits. I, I can find, I don't want cleanup hitters who are going to spray the ball the opposite field and then get run into double plays because they're slow. I mean, that's. Well, he was hitting cleanup because Teoscar was having a up and down season. That was supposed to be your cleanup hitter. That's what a cleanup hitter is supposed to look that's like. That's my point, though. Next yeah. year, next year you can't start the year with Alejandro Kirk as a cleanup hitter. So you're saying he's probably not going to be on the team. He'd be one of the guys you'd package with to get what you want. I mean, I think you almost. I, I think you have to look at almost everybody in this team. I asked someone in the, in the There's front no office. There's no untouchables. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Alec Manoa, yeah, no. That's no, you don't Alec touch Alec Manoa is an untouchable. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't entertain the possibility of moving either Vladdy or Bo. I yeah, just can't. I, I'm not, I'm not either. you know, what, you're going to find somebody who's going to give me Bo's hits? Like, no. I mean, Vladdy still had 32 and 97. Yeah. Like, it's not like he had a and they're gonna, and they're And they're going to give you, you know, they're still, yeah, they're still relatively cheap. And if you do that... I mean, to me, if you move light of your bow, you're signaling you're rebuilding. And this is dumb. You're not rebuilding right now. But I would keep Chapman, obviously, for his defense. But everybody else, I'm telling you, everybody else is on the table for me. And I'm including, you know, I wouldn't put Kevin Gossman on there. I don't think he can move the contract anyhow. I might consider, I don't think you're going to be able to move Jose Barrios' contract, but I might consider him. Everybody else is on the table for me. Absolutely everybody else, with the exception of Bo, so, Vladdy, and uh, uh, Bo, Vladdy, Jansen, and Chapman. So you think this, this team will look different? And Springer's or you think obviously not. It has not to look different. It has to year. look. It, there's no choice. I, I'm with you. There's no choice. It has to look different. It has to look different. And I also am not entirely... I don't think George Springer can be the center fielder anymore. I think he needs to be in right field and DH. I think George Springer. I think, I, I think George Springer needs to DH. And I'm just going to say uh, this. I think he needs to D, DH 60 to 70 percent of the time. I, and I think you put him in right field the other whatever percent of the time and say, "Stand right here, don't move." Yeah, stand right, stand right here. Yeah, and then you can be leading off. Yeah, because I I'm with you. I, you've been saying that forever, and it makes a lot of sense now after yeah. what you're seeing he was, and he was, he was how much he means to the team. He was in the a terrific lineup. right fielder for the Houston Astros too. He, he was. wasn't always a center fielder. Yeah. Um, but that and that's a move that that has to be made. But I I mean I'm looking at the pitching in this team. And I know you can't build an entirely new bullpen, and Jordan Romano did have all those saves, and he's still pretty cost-effective. But I am going to say this. I, something, I need to find out why I got a closer who can throw 99 to 100, and all he does is throw sliders. I, I'm, I, I need to, what's up with that? Yes, if it's a quality slider, it's hard to hit. Guess what? If it isn't a quality slider, it gets blooped into center field, and you have collisions. Um, so anyway, I mean that that's that's the way I look at this, and I'm sure there are people out. Listen, I, I get it. This is a historic meltdown, and there there are people out there who want to back up the truck because there are people out there looking at this and saying it's the Leafs all over again. And I just. I don't think you can necessarily back up the truck, but I think you should put a ton of options on the table and, you know, go from there. But I do think 
that the moment as it re relate to this playoff series, I think the moment got too big for some people. I think it was too big for Alec Manoa. And that's, hey, rookie, you know, dude in his first full year, that's fine. He's the one guy I will, I will look at him and say, you know what, that might have been a learning experience. That might have been a learning experience. Maybe you want to be. That for me is more about what you say than how you're pitching. But the, the, my, whole point, my whole point, my whole point, and then coming up, and we talked about, he he came out in the first inning, and he was a little, I mean, he was. Overthrown. Overthrown. Yeah. So that can't happen, and it won't happen the next time. But well, it's just funny how Gosman looked early in the game compared to how Manoa looked early well, in the game. That, that's the difference. That's the what you're thing, talking about. Been there, done it before. It's a big yeah. deal when it comes to who's standing on the mound and if the you're moment looking for and a what positive, it means to your team and your organization, all this stuff. If you're looking for a positive. Gosman was great. Gosman was yeah. great, and Gosman, he might be the one long-term contract they've given out the pitcher that actually works. Danny Jansen looked really good too. Danny Jansen looked really good. He finished strong. And I, and I, I got to be honest with you, in in the ninth inning with a with a runner on, I was excited that he was at the plate. I know he punched out, yeah, but I was excited. Like he had some good swings and he was competing, and he's turned himself into a threat, which is a big deal. Let's go to the phone lines. Terry from Burlington. What is up, Terry? A couple of things. Um, I think the big play of the game was when they took Gosman out. Major mistake. Um, should have. I mean, I I just didn't make any sense to me. He's a big free agent signing. Uh, he had gotten the two outs. Uh, he's still looking strong. He'd thrown five shutout innings. Um, that was the big play of the game. I mean, you can't. That's you can't get away from that. Yeah. Uh, listen. Th- thanks for the call. I mean, I think we're both we're both on the we're both on the same page here. I will admit I wasn't all that surprised. Like I didn't look up and go, why are they taking gut? Because I've seen them do it before. And I, I so I, I'm going to, but in hindsight, yeah, I have to, I have to admit something. When I was seeing, when I was watching John walk to the mound, I was thinking he was going to walk out there and basically give the raw, raw speech. Like I'm just walking out here to say, hi, yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking the ball from you. Cause we've seen him do it before. Right. Turn around, walk away. I thought that was going to be the case instead of actually reaching for the baseball. When he was reaching for the baseball, I was shocked. That, that's just me. When I, I, I think it's, he's your guy. He's basically your only guy left. And let him end it. Then I, you can end it early, earlier in the game instead of the ninth inning. And I'm, I'm with Terry. That's just me. Yeah. Well, as I said, I, I, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't until, frankly, Tim Mesa spiked his first pitch that I thought, uh-huh. I wasn't surprised that Kevin Gossman came out when he did. But yeah, I, I, again, hindsight. And I'm admitting that because I don't want to be that guy that said, oh, you, like, I wasn't as shocked as you were. I, if I was, yeah. I would admit it. I wasn't as shocked as you were because I kind of figured at some point they were going to do that. I just, he, and, and I, I understand if you're, if you're going to use Tim Mazie, you have to find the right pocket to use him in. I just don't know why you need to use Tim Mazie. Like, I, I don't understand why it was necessary to use Tim Mays in that game as I look back on it now. Well, that, that was their pocket, right? You turn a guy around right-handed, and then you got two lefties coming up. So they yeah, had their but, pocket. But the thing is, and, and the other thing that drove me nuts, you know, and I understand you turned Carlos Santana around to his weaker power side. He's a better hitter from the other side. He is. He's going to put the chances of Carlos Santana putting the ball in play as a right-handed batter are better than the chances of him putting it in play as a left-handed batter. And, yeah, as a lefty, that's where he gets his home runs. Well, that's because there are more right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers in baseball. That's pretty easy to explain. Yep. So, 
that does, to Kevin's point, again, I understand the philosophy of pockets, mm-hmm. but what told you in an eight-run game that it was important to make your move at the bottom of the order coming up? I don't want to pile on either, and we've said this before. I don't know why you don't walk Adam Frazier to get to Santana in the ninth inning. I said that still shocks me whenever Santana's being booed because he has something wrong with his hamstring. Well, that's I'm taking point. my chances with that. I, I'm serious. Even even if now we forget if, about if, that, Adam Fraser. We forget about service pinch hits for him. Yeah, the dude's been sitting over there for four hours. I'm taking my chances against that guy sitting over there for four hours. I just don't understand that. Adam Fraser's short and quick to the baseball. Don't throw a ball down the middle. That would help. But I'm just saying, I, I just. There's some other things that, you know, again, you don't want to pile on, and that game should have been over a couple of innings before that, but it wasn't. And you got it right in front of you. I just I didn't understand that move either. We're going to be joined by Ryan Dempster, host of Off the Mound at Marquee Sports Network Analyst, 2013 World Series champion. We'll ask him how a team bounces back from a loss like this. Caleb Joseph, Blue Jay Central Analyst, joins us as well. He knows a lot of the guys in this clubhouse. Find out how he thinks they... He's got some interesting stats, too, that, that he's been sending me that I don't want to say they're shocking, but it'd make you wonder why some people in that dugout didn't, if they, if those stats are correct and we'll get him to yeah. sound some of them off, why they made some moves that they made. So it'd be an interesting conversation. The ball into uh shallow, shallow outfield pop-up double, as it was described on the play-by-play Springer colliding with, um, with Bichette. First of all, George Springer, you know, we knew that he was playing hurt in that game. He'd crashed into the wall to make a catch. I I don't know why. The only thing I can think, the only reason I can think that Jackie Bradley Jr. wasn't in that game for defense is John Schneider was not entirely comfortable with the, it was an eight run. With, with, eight with one the score lead. of might, the game. It might yeah, it yeah. might have it might have been too early to go to your defensive alignment in the in the fifth, sixth inning. That's just me. Might have been too early. I he managed he did manage that game like a guy who thought I'm gonna have some pretty meaningful at bats in sure. the seventh or eighth inning. He kinda managed that game like a guy who didn't have total total confidence in his bullpen in a lot of ways. Maybe like, a eight, little eight, eight runs isn't gonna get it done. Did, did boys. you have a problem with, with Bo not peeling off and letting Springer? I didn't. I think that's two dudes running after baseball as hard as they can and trying to make a play you, you, those are that that ball. You couldn't have ran it. Crawford couldn't have ran that ball out there any any better and dropped it between the two guys. And I like the effort. You can never argue or come on here and complain about effort. Both of those guys gave it. Just so it happened, it didn't work out. I just don't understand how you could say anything about the way the ball was attacked. You could you you maybe could argue why JBJ is not in the game. I mean, I guess you could say that, but the way the play and, and the way Bo hustled after the ball, I mean, how can you argue that? I can't and I won't. That's just me. I'm not going to do George, that. I, did George call him off? Did we? I, I think I th- there from, are plays. From, we- what I, from what I was seeing, and, and it's impossible to hear it. Yeah. I mean, you, I, could you see lips moving? I don't know. I, I just think that ball, both guys are running after the baseball. And I've been in that situation before when I'm playing first where the right fielder is running in and you can feel him coming and you're sort of bracing yourself for whatever's about to happen. But that's a giant spot in the game where yeah. two dudes are running as hard as they can after a baseball. Did did that, with, with Bo running back like that, did that affect when uh, George left his feet? Maybe. I just don't think either guy could could catch the baseball and Can both I guys ask you were this? hustling after the ball. Can I ask you this? Should George have just not left his feet and just got 
got out on the bounce. Yeah, we're you know we don't we can do this now because we we weren't the guys who were out there reacting in real time to this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm kind of with you. I, I, I thought just, I it just was... don't. Th- I just don't think you can you can complain or argue or say what are you doing or throwing your hands in the air with Bo saying why are you running that? I mean that's again. The situation dictates how you attack a baseball. Both dudes knew that was the play, right? Yeah. And they were going to go all out to get the ball and catch it and have the last out and try and win a baseball game right there. So just didn't work out. Eddie in Fort Erie's got some thoughts on John Schneider. Hello, Eddie. Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. You too, man. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? I heard you guys talk about Schneider coming back, and I agree with you 100%. He should come back because he really um, rejuvenated that that uh, clubhouse, and you know they started playing hard for him, and, and, and they know him very well, and they, it just worked out well, and I just hope that they bring him back. Now, as far as um, next uh, season goes, I, I really agree with you guys. They're, they're going to have to make moves that none of us ever thought that they ever wanted to make, uh, you know, from two off-seasons ago when – uh, Lindor was available and Ramirez was available, but now now you're going to have to, uh, you know, visit that now more than ever. And I, and I hope and hopefully they won't, uh, uh, you know, trade away a lot of the guys that we like. But but I'll tell you who really built up his value uh, down the stretch, and that was Hernandez. I really feel like when he came back, he felt better. He he played he hit he came up with some big hits um, in September. Not not as much as Bull, but but when he did, he made them happen. And of course. Uh, the two home runs off Ray, uh, you know, was the, uh, I thought the cherry on top for me anyway. So I think that's pretty good. Now I want to throw out two names that you guys, who the Blue Jays should look at acquiring in the off season. And uh, if, 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 if you don't mind, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously I want them to revisit them acquiring, maybe acquiring uh, Pablo Lopez, you know, cause I know they, they've been all over mm-hmm. him and they really, and they really like him. But for me, the biggest long shot for me that they would look at acquiring would be Dylan Cease. I really like Dylan Cease and the season he had. You don't know where the White Sox are going because they're going to have a new manager. Their window is kind of uh, closing and their farm system's a little bit uh, shot. So I know that's a long shot, but you know what? It won't hurt to maybe talk to the White Sox and say, hey, what would it take to acquire him? Yeah, listen, Eddie, I appreciate the call. Uh, I mean, the the only thing... Yeah, the White Sox. I mean, who the hell knows what the White Sox are going to do? And and Rick Hahn, as a general manager, is not afraid to be aggressive. He well, has going to have to be next year, or in the offseason. Yeah, I, you can never have enough pitching, right? Nope. Um, I just wonder with the Astros, one of those arms, and you've been saying this for quite some time. Is you know where where Dusty's at in his career, how the season will end for the Astros, how willing they would be to get rid of one of those arms. You know they ha- they have a plethora yeah. of arms. You go to the Astros, and that could be a move. You know, looking for some outfield. Yeah, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would fit nicely in that little short porch and left there playing defense and hitting in that place. He could hit some more home runs. That might be a little bit of an exchange you could do with one of those arms. So th- there is some moves to be made. I just don't think there's now – you can't, for me anyway, here in the offseason, that they tried on this guy. 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 Sooner or later in the offseason, one of those moves have to be made. Right. right. But you can't – when somebody reports that the Jays tried for a guy and didn't get him, like you can't criticize the front office. It's not as if they're necessarily leaking that information. You know, like Justin Verlander comes out and says that the Jays were my final choice along with the Houston Astros. 
that that's yeah i mean that's that's a statement of fact when a when a guy says it like that um and then everybody goes well the jays finished second to well i mean you're making it sound as if the jays are, are saying get this out there get this out there that we finished second so people don't think that we're doing jack all and that's not i mean that's you know, your bunch of teams finish second and all these things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're going to – the one thing this season I think is showing us is uh, – or one of the things that's showing us too is I, I get everybody's in love with prospects, but is there a Jays fan out there who would rather have Gabriel Moreno and Arelvis Martinez right now than Luis Castillo? And, again, I'm not saying that would have got that deal done, but um, – I mean, Luis Castillo. Nobody could say that. No, <laughs> no, nobody no. can say that. And, and I, I think that's kind of a, a that's kind of a good reminder that, um, you know, I don't, I just don't care about. It's not that I don't care about prospects anymore, but I'm much more interested in what they can give me to win during this window of opportunity. Because mm. the bottom line is, you pissed away another year. You did <laughs> of these guys. Yeah, and. Vladdy's already not cheap. He's not getting cheaper. Bo's not going to get cheap. Alec Manoa, you know, his he's gonna he's gonna want to raise. Spencer Strider just got seven. What was it, six and seventy-five? Yeah. He doesn't have as much service time as Manoa. You think Alec Manoa wants that? You you can't just sort of rag the puck here for another two years. You've you've lost a year. This was a year where your window of opportunity closed a bit. I think last year you could say the window was still open, but this year you were supposed to be good enough to go on a playoff run. You didn't make it. You've got more service time with those guys. Your window of opportunity is closing if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. It's not halfway shut, but it's starting to come down. And you need to take that approach in the offseason. And if that means moving somebody where it's going to hurt a bit, to get somebody who's going to help you in the majors next year, you do it. Maybe you wanted to, and this will give you an excuse to do it. Maybe that's it, too. It's right in front of you. I mean, it's the, it doesn't take a brain surgeon when you watch the Blue Jays play in game two of what they need. <laughs> I mean, does it? No. 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 It's easy. Uh, Ryan Dempster is host of Off the Mound, Mark, and he's also Marquee Sports Network analyst. He's the 2013 World Series champion. Like a lot of people, I mean, Ryan Dempster was in on the Blue Jays. A lot of folks were in on the Blue Jays. A lot of national folks were in on the Blue Jays. I guarantee you there are as many people shocked nationally at the outcome of that game as there are in Toronto. Ryan Dempster joins us next. Go back to your phone calls as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 80 million members worldwide, 19 plus. Play responsibly, Ontario only. 416-870-0590. Star 590. 1-888-666-0590. 590-590 is the text line. We'll continue to take your calls uh, as we work through our guests. Ryan Dempster joins us in a few minutes. Caleb Joseph as well. The other series are set. I mean, if you want to find somebody to uh, commiserate with this morning, call your New York Mets friends. Ask them how they're doing. They got outpitched. Yeah. Maybe they'll lend you an ear. The uh, San Diego Padres, or you can lend them They were red. They were red. San Diego (laughs) Padres beat 
sent Buck Showalter to the sidelines yesterday. Well done to the Padres. Buck's going to have to go back and figure out how to reinvent the game, maybe put some more rules in to uh, or take away make some rules. Rule easier. You know, of course, the Mariners have advanced to play the Houston Astros. The Cleveland Guardians, the new little engine that could beat the old little engine that could, the Tampa Bay Rays, it's the Guardians and the Yankees. And in the National League, well, the National League's going to be, National League's going to be fascinating because you've got the Padres and the Dodgers. And you got the Phillies and the Braves. The Phillies beating the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, you look at some of the Jays players and how they didn't come through in the clutch. They're doing some of the same thing in St. Louis as well. Yeah. A little surprising to see a couple of those guys have the season, the series that they had. But, you know, this is the thing, right? It's basically even good players have a bad three-game series. Sure. Even good players have a bad two-game stretch during the year. 0 yeah. for 8 is not unusual. It does happen to people. It does. Uh, it's just that in the playoffs, it's magnified. magnified. So those are the matchups for the ALDS. And, uh, of course, here in Toronto, the story continues to be the 10-9 loss, the historic meltdown by the Toronto Blue Jays on Saturday against the Seattle Mariners. Let's bring in Ryan Dempster, uh, host of Off the Mound and Marquee sports analyst, also, of course, the 2013 World Series champion. Uh, Ryan is a uh, native of Canada and, and a uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. citizen right now. I can wish you a happy Thanksgiving, so I'm doing that. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Um, was what we saw on Saturday more about the Mariners or was it more about the Blue Jays? Uh, good question. You know, I, w- I watched the game from start to finish and was super in tune with everything going on. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, a little bit of both. You know, I'm not coming down on the Blue Jays. It is what it is. That's part of our job is to to be better than the other person, right? Like you're 60 feet, six inches away from somebody you you're competing against. You got to be better. And um, but also too, you know, that says a lot about the Seattle Mariners, uh, this this team that a lot of people maybe weren't going to give much of a chance. They're pretty good. Their offense did a lot of things as far as putting the ball in play and not striking out and um, and then coming up with big timely hits. And, you know, I just felt there was, like, you know, a couple things in that game that maybe could have gone differently and maybe results would have been a little bit different. What do you think about when John went out to take out Gosman with 95 pitches? What's the first thing you were thinking? I, I didn't like it in the sense that, listen, it's easy to play, you know, armchair sure. quarterback. Um, he just got – you know, the strikeout and the weak contact, and it felt like even though the bases were loaded, he still was kind of, like, locked in in that moment. And when you do that, you know, Lou Pinella, who I had a chance to play for, he made a great comment one time. He said, son, every time I walk out to the mound when a pitcher's going good and has a good good rhythm going after a couple hitters, and I walk out there and I point to that bullpen, I risk something going wrong. Hmm. And, and, you know easy to say he's got the bases loaded he's at 95 pitches but you know you're looking for swing and miss stuff you're not looking i mean look what happens a blue base hit into center field where you know that ball's not hit hard off romano or the one that scored they put it in play it's not a strikeout and, and when, when you put balls in play things happen when you don't strike out in the playoffs things happen we made a living on that in 2013 yes not striking out put it in play make them make the play who knows what can happen so yeah i 
To be honest with you, you know, I can understand why he did it. The one I, I wish, I just would I really wished is if you're going to go to Romano in the eighth inning with the bases, why not just start the inning with him? You know, you can't like go, go a clean two innings with, with your closer. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and um, Schneid's done an unbelievable job with those guys all year long. Um, he deserves, they, they deserve the success that they had. And unfortunately they, they came up short and they'll have to, figure out for next year and they got a great team going forward and there's nothing but positive things going to be in the future for them. Ryan, one of the things we heard after the game was learning experience, learning experience, yeah. learning experience. When do I, I look, we're all learning every day of our life. I get that. But when does that become just eyewash for a major league team? Well, when you start to get there multiple times, like, so the blue Jays are there it's really their kind of like, you know, their coming out party, you know, um, now next year, now you maybe you add another piece and continue. Don't let this stop you from this, this gigantic piece that you've put in put, puzzle that you've been putting together, continue to add build because you have the, the team. And then you learn from last, this past off, you know, this past season, this past playoffs, what could we do better? Um, I know personally, man, I, I, I had a rough time in 08. You know, I had a great year during the season. I gave up a grand slam, and that grand slam cost us the game, and I learned from that. And then now when you get to the next round of the playoff, next time I go to the playoffs, you know, with the Red Sox in 2013, it was a lot more, like, under control, a lot more relaxed, you know, the, how, to, how to hone that energy in a little bit. And for those guys, too, it's a lot of excitement playing in the, in the you know, their home ballpark in front of all those fans and how do you control all those emotions and deal with all those emotions and how do you ultimately just go out there and make pitches and 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 get people out and you know it is a learning experience as, as frustrating as that might be to hear as a fan that's how you have to take it as a player if you don't if you take it another way you're just going to find yourself in the same predicament next time learn from it get better and and next time you have the opportunity go out there and you know succeed well, what did you think of Alec Manoa's first start uh, in game one? Um, I thought it was good. I, you know, I didn't think it was great. I thought he was good. The Seattle Mariners did a good job of jumping on him early. Mm-hmm. You know, with really good starting pitchers, Bark, you know this, man. If you let them lock in, you're done. And they didn't let them lock in. And they, you know, they came out. They were going the other way. The the, the double down the line by, uh, by Suarez, I think, was probably the biggest at-bat there just – just so many little pieces where they, you know, were doing things that they knew they needed to do. They couldn't be going swinging for the fences. It's less, let's just try and like get a, get a lead, get one, nothing. That is the most important thing you can do in any game and in playoff games, getting the lead. Now you put the pressure on the other team. Now you can go ahead and, and do things, put runners in motion, be aggressive, do the, do that. They did a great job of that. They had obviously had some sort of game plan and they went out there and they executed it, and it wasn't so much that he didn't do a job. Sometimes it's hard. The hardest thing we have to do is give credit to the other team when things don't go our way, and that's that's what they did. They deserve some credit as well. I, I don't know how this feels. This is why I'm going to ask you. you. You've been on good teams before, and you know in the offseason after you've lost, there's going to be big turnover. But you know you're going to come back. What's that feel like? Like if you're a Bo Bichette or a Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is there a certain weird kind of feeling that you know – that there's going to be some giant turnover, right? The the guys that were in that lineup this year, end of the season, is probably not going to be all be there next year. Well, what's that feeling like? Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when you get 
a tight group like that that you really pull for and then you you know you might lose some guys and um that's the tough part about people sometimes forget is there's this business side that takes over and and it's and it's hard it's hard as a a player to to go through that because you develop friendships guys become like family you're you're with each other all the time and so it becomes really hard and and you want those guys back and there's pleading right to the front office please bring this guy back but the economics of the game sometimes that doesn't happen a guy gets an opportunity to go somewhere and get a contract and and so then you just got to make the most of it maybe you have guys that come in you know i i thought like i always look at the yankees back in the in the 90s the mid to late 90s when they went on that unbelievable run all the way into 2001 2000 you know they they what did they do they had their core pieces and then you'd see guys scott brocious was at third base one year then mm. charlie hayes was at third base yeah. mm. you know they brought a starting pitcher and did, sometimes that's not a bad thing you know a little bit of hunger from some different guys who are hungry to they picked the blue jays in free agency because look at that team i want to go play there they have a chance to win the world series so as frustrating as it can be for a player, for a team, it's not always a bad thing. You know, that that's a great point you made. And I want to ask you this because this is a team that has been active in free agency. If you're a free agent and you're looking at the Blue Jays and you've just seen them torch an 8-1 lead in the fifth inning, the sixth inning, sorry, what are you thinking of? Like, if Ryan Dempster, if you were 32 years old, 31 years old, you're a free agent and you're looking at the Blue Jays and you're thinking, I might want to go there. Are you at all looking at what happened in the playoffs and going, man, they may not be as close as I thought they were? Not one single bit. Actually, I, I would feel like I could be a piece that would put them over the edge. And and I, I, I don't even look at that. I, I look at it like uh, quite the opposite, actually. Like, that's kind of exciting because look how close they are. And if we can add a piece or two and I can be one of those pieces, then, then this team's got a chance to win the World Series. Dimp, I'm not sure I've talked to you about Stripling or not, but I, but I do want to do that because I think you're a little bit like him in your career, right? Adding, subtract, kitchen sink kind of guy. Do you think he can do this next year? And do you think the Blue Jays should make a serious run at him? Yeah, I, I do. I do think he can. I think this is a guy that, you know, kind of knows how to pitch. And, you know, in a, in a game that is constantly evolving, right? we've gotten – we've started to realize as we see – cool man you throw 95 to 98 down the middle or you're not you're not hitting the corners these dudes kev you know this man Mm -hmm. chipper jones told me once before he said you put me in a batting cage and somebody fires a bullet three times down the middle of the strike zone i'm gonna hit the third one yeah so it doesn't matter how hard you throw it like you you can time that up you know like you can you can guys can get to that it's about location and hitting location and hitting spots when you do that and keep guys off balance and add them subtract, you're just going to do wonders in this league. And as long as you're locating then and staying healthy, you're going to get outs. And I think he's a guy that gets outs. And, um, you know, I think bigger than the stuff or what he can do when he's out there on the mound is just making sure that he stays healthy is the biggest thing. And when he does that, he's capable of getting any major league hitter out. Ryan, really good of you to yeah. join us today. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well. Great stuff. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Always, man. Take care. Ryan Dempster, 2013 World Series champion, host of Off the Mound, and a uh, analyst with Marquee Sports. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the stripling thing. Can he do that an entire season? Start to finish. You want to know uh, what the Braves signed Spencer Strider to? You want to know a contractual breakdown? I would love to. Six-year contract that's worth $75 million, runs through 2028. $22 million club option for 2029 with $5 million buyout. So... 
theoretically, if the option is exercised, the deal is worth $92 million over seven years. Uh, this is the dollar value. He's going to make a million dollars per year in 2023 and 2024, $4 million in 2025, $20 million in 2026, and then $22 million per season in 2027, 2028. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the third rookie in franchise history to strike out 200 batters, first in the modern era. Uh, only 16 rookies have done that in baseball. You Darvish did it in 2012. 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings. The highest by rookie pitcher in MLB history. Quickest pitcher in baseball history to ever reach 200 strikeouts in a single season. Uh, doing so in his 130th inning of pitching. The reason I mention that is Alec Manoa has a little more service time than him, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you think Alec Manoa and his people are looking at that contract going, hmm, now I'm going to say this. That's where it would start is there six for 75. I'm, I'm, why wouldn't you? He's doing it in the American league East. Why wouldn't you, 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 you maneuvered things around down the stretch to have me pitch in the biggest games of the season in game one. Absolutely. It would. The question is, would you do it? And, and, and if you don't, why aren't you doing it? That's that's the those are those are big questions. You're seeing what Alex is doing there, sort of spreading it out to you know where he's signing people and how much they're paying them and making it where mm-hmm. you maneuver it right mm-hmm. and you sweeten the pot so much that you just can't you just can't say no to that. There's no way I can say no to that. Yeah, where it could turn out to be ninety two million. There's no way I can say no to that. So yeah, and if, if the Jays don't do it, if they don't sign one of those big three guys, Manoa, Manoa, why? Why is the why? That's the only. Oh, me and you, I, Lisa, me and I you are coming on here yelling yeah. and screaming. Why have they not done it? Seeing the Braves doing it the way they're doing it. That's their core. Let me ask they're you this: it. If you don't sign one of those three guys, well, you have to trade one of them. That's what I was going to say. Are, 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 well, you we, have are to. we going to that point? And well, that it gets seems to, like you are. And that gets to the point where you know we have discussion about the core of this team. Um, I'm surprised I, it hasn't been done yet. Well, At least one I, of the three. One of the three. I, maybe Vlad is the most expensive one. I think sort of. Maybe you could understand that. And it sounds like they're talking a little bit with that. But have you heard anything with Bo? On balance. Have you heard anything with Alec? No. So it just makes you wonder why. Yeah. If yeah. they don't do it in the offseason, it's, it's obvious. Like, it's obvious. Like, because you're basically what the Braves are doing to these guys is they sweeten the pot just enough to where your age, their agent and that player, there's no way you can say no. Yeah. I, I just have real problems with the timing of this. I think it's I I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe the plan is, you know what, we'll let these guys get the three or four years. Then we'll sign them. We'll make them a five-year contract offer. That's huge. Right, that does cover two years of free agency, and maybe the Jays are thinking we'd rather do that over five years than get get involved in one of those seven year deals. But I do think this. I think Manoa, you've got to treat a starting pitcher differently than you well, do. Do you the think two right now, guys. knowing him the way we know him, do you think he would take six for seventy five? Manoa, he'd jump all over that. He'd jump all over it. Jimmy and Hinton, Alberta. We'll take one more call before we uh, take our break. Go ahead, Jimmy. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving, all. Thank yeah, you, you too, man. Uh, I had just a thought uh, listening to Mr. Dempster before I get into why I called yep. uh, with uh, Ross Stripling. He may be our barometer, actually, as to how good this team or how close this team is. Because if Stripling comes back, that holds water for me. How so? 
Because uh, he's not stupid. He's a veteran. He wants to win. He's a very smart man. I, I say if Ross Stripling re-signs with the Blue Jays, that that means something to me anyway. Uh, you know, that's uh, an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it that way, but, you know, you are right. It and, just and holds the, water, right? Like, well, because just because who he is as it, a person. Yeah. And not and only that, and not only that, Jimmy, this is his big opportunity. It is. And if he's saying... Yeah. If he's saying, "Hey, I know this is my big opportunity. This is my last kick at the at the can mm-hmm. as a free agent," and I'm, if I'm willing to come back to Toronto, that is a sign that you're right. That is a sign that a smart guy has looked at the situation and said, "God, we're close." That's that's a hell of a point. I hadn't thought of it that way, Jimmy. Um, uh, a couple more things. Yes, sir. Uh, I know it's not popular. I've listened to the show. Uh, you've touched on Bo. Um, Personally, I think he needs to stay in his lane. He showed up one of his teammates earlier in the year. I think he just let, has mm-hmm. to trust his teammates to to play the game of baseball with him, right? Uh, another point is, uh, for me, Teo's got to come back. He's got ice water in his veins when, when the playoffs start. To me, uh, I, keep a, I keep a defensive replacement for him all year. Um, and finally, the John. Yeah. I love John. I uh, Ross Ross Atkins saved his job. I called in earlier this year. I really believe he saved his job by not unloading everything we have on this version of this year's Blue Jays. Okay. Yeah. I think he needs to. Uh, John's going to manage somewhere, but he needs to make these mistakes uh, not on a non-playoff team first. Uh, he's had to start Gosman for Game One. He's been there, done that. I mean, you really got to go to that. But. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Ross Atkins needs to get a veteran manager in here, mm-hmm. one that's not going to make these mistakes. But, uh, John, I, I mean, I love him, and I, I think he's got a future, but just we're so close we can't have these mistakes at that time of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, I appreciate the call. Thanks yeah. so much, and thanks for the kind words. It, it's, look, uh, I we all think John is coming back. Um, all, all the, the signals we've seen from the front office, just from chatting to people and different people around the team, you get the impression that this decision has kind of been made already. Maybe Ross will announce it tomorrow. I don't know why he wouldn't. He's doing his media availability tomorrow. If Ross Atkins doesn't come out of the first, if you can't answer, if you can't look us in the face and say our manager's coming back, then that tells you something that, that really does. That really does tell you something. Um, as now, boy, there's a lot to unpack and I, you know what, I, I'm going to do it in the next segment. There's a lot to unpack with what Jimmy said. I do want to say this though. I, the one thing that I'm really upset with myself about is that I didn't at some point come out and say, why are we so set on Manoa starting game one? Why aren't well, that, we going easy, with the veteran? That's an easy answer. That's an easy answer. They told you down the stretch the last two weeks of the season exactly who they wanted to pitch yeah, in game one. I, you I, couldn't do what you did the last two weeks and then pitch okay. somebody other than Manoa in game one. That's right, why. I'm. I, Yeah, but. They backed themselves in the corner is what they did. That's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, 416-870-0590, star 591 590 is a text line. Caleb Joseph joins us next. We will continue to take your calls. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the Fan 360. And as always, wherever you get your favorite podcasts.